coming up on The Potter's Touch. Don't let anybody have your integrity. You may cry, but hold on to it. You may suffer, but hold on to it. When the storm is over, you'll rise again. You're his in the rain. You're his in the middle of all kind of terror, surrounded by witches and hexes. I want to invite you to experience what my members have said was a very provocative, profound, and thought-provoking glance into Matthew chapter 13, verse 36 through 43. There you will find the complexity of the text dealing with how do I flourish in an environment that is not always conducive for me to grow into what I am meant to be. It is a metaphor that has powerful ramifications. The subject matter is provocative. The subject a war between two worlds. I think you will benefit from this. Let's, let's go into the Word of God and take a good look at what Jesus is saying through this powerful, profound parable. Take a look. Let's go to Matthew 13, verse number 36. When you have it, say amen. This is, this is one of the rare opportunities we get to hear Jesus exegete a text. He has told them a parable, relayed a story, and left the disciples with some questions as to what he meant about the parable. And here Jesus clarifies his, the scenario. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parables of the tares of the field. In other words, explain what you were talking about out there. He answered and said unto him, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Say that with me. He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Now, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is in the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the forest, so shall it be, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Can you say amen? amen? I want to talk briefly, remain standing, but I want to talk briefly about a war between two worlds. A war between two worlds. Well, I know all of my ministers and all of my elders are looking at the text and looking at the subject and say, well, Bishop must not have taken his medication. <laughs> because the text seemingly has nothing to do with the subject. We're looking at a text that is basically an agricultural text that looks at an agricultural metaphor to explain the principles of the kingdom. There's nothing in the text about a war. 
Normally, if you're going to preach about a war, you talk about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. You talk about that. You talk about spiritual warfare. David said, he teaches my fingers to war. That would have been a great scripture to use. You're going to be talking about a war. You, you, you could have talked about the destruction of the Amalekites, the annihilation of the Philistines, if you're going to talk about a war. Why in the world would you take a text that's talking about a garden and then start talking about a war? I'm glad you asked me. Hopefully, before I finish, you'll understand why. First of all, Jesus introduces a thought that I want you, I want you to put your study cap on for a minute. Jesus introduces a thought that I want you to really focus on. He said, the kingdom of heaven is likened. The kingdom of heaven is like it. It's metaphorical. The in, in other words, he is using something you can understand to explain something that you couldn't understand. So since he's dealing with a society that focuses largely on agriculturalism for economic empowerment, that is, if you didn't raise a garden, if you didn't plow, if you didn't rake, if you didn't harvest, you didn't have any income because it wasn't so much about money in the days of Christ as much as it was about raising a crop through which you could barter the crop in exchange for other things that you need, okay? So he's using something that everybody, every commoner understood to explain something that was so spiritual and so abstract that it was beyond human comprehension. Are you with me? They understood the value of a crop. If we, it wasn't just that if we didn't grow a good crop, we couldn't eat. It was that if we didn't grow a good crop, we couldn't trade. So when you look at the metaphor about the crop, you are actually looking at the very e economic empowerment of a society of people that is based on the premise of sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. If you didn't maintain a cycle, a consistency of sowing and reaping, not only did you not have a harvest, it would affect everything in your house because you did not have the ability to keep the cycle going. This system sustain the society. So what we are talking about in the text is not just agriculture. The agriculture, the, 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 the strength of the crop control the net worth of the holder. The strength of the crop control the net worth of the holder. If the crop wasn't good, then the net worth of the holder diminished. So the text is talking about value. If you don't understand that, you won't understand. Let me, let me break down the text into the language you're, you're familiar with. A certain man uh, went forth and sowed good seed into his field and sent the, those that were up under him to tend to the field after he sowed it. While men slept, the enemy came and planted tear amongst the wheat. Now, see, if you don't understand this, you won't understand why the enemy came. You need to understand that the man knows the integrity of the seed that he planted. He sowed good seed into his field. There is no question about the integrity of the seed. The seed is absolutely good. The seed is so good that the jealous enemy looked over there and said, if I don't do something to head it off, he is going to increase the value in the kingdom. So while men slept, the enemy came 
to plant tare amongst the wheat. Now, the tare planted amongst the wheat tells you the limitation of the enemy. He couldn't destroy the integrity of the wheat. All he could do was plant tare around the wheat, but he couldn't stop the wheat from being wheat. See, I gotta dance a little bit because I know where I'm going and some of you know where I'm going because you understand that what is in conflict here, what is up under uh, scrutiny here is the integrity of the seed. And it makes me want to say, he that hath began a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You're not counting on the weather. You're not counting on the environment. You're not even counting on the soil. You're counting on the integrity of the seed. If you get your core right, if it's right in its genesis, it's going to be right in its conclusion. If it's God in the beginning, it's going to be God in the end. If it was wheat when it went in the ground, it's going to be wheat when you bring forth fruit. The only thing the enemy could do was plant imposters. amidst the wheat because he could not destroy the integrity of the wheat. Now, you don't get it, but you ought to be dancing right now. Wait, wait, wait. The only people who shouldn't be dancing are tear because if you are wheat, if you are wheat, you ought to be tearing this church up because what I just said to you is that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises against you, God will condemn. If you were his in his hand, you're his in the ground, you're his when you come up, you're his when it's hot, you're his when it's cold, you're his in the rain, you're his in the middle of all kind of tear, surrounded by witches and hexes. I have a very unique role in life. Very few pastors have one foot in the leadership of the church and their other foot in the leadership of entrepreneurship, businesses, and government officials. I want to bring both feet into our International Pastors and Leadership Conference and help you and your staff to develop your vision. Whether you are in business or whether you are in faith, I've got a foot on it and I've got something to share with you that will make you better. Look at the things that have been planted in your life to devalue the harvest. The things, the people, the environment, the circumstances that have been planted to devalue the harvest. 
what the, what the tear will do is, is rob the soil of the nutrients that could have fueled the wheat to be wheatier, to be mightier, to be stronger, to be fuller, to be richer. It, it, it will extract from the ground what was meant for the wheat to stop it from being as bountiful as it could have been. And the Bible says that while men slept, the enemy came and planted tear amongst the wheat. He is not attacking the wheat, he's attacking the owner. Though he has planted the tear amongst the wheat, the wheat has nothing to gain from being wheat, it just is. The owner has something to gain from the wheat being what it is. So the enemy is not the enemy of the wheat, he is the enemy of the owner. You with me, aren't you? I know you with me. I know you with me, I know you with me. So the wheat is caught up in a war between the enemy and the owner. This is why the battle is not yours. Oh my God, oh my God. You, you've been standing here with your dukes up and you've been swinging and you've been punching and you've been fighting and you've been talking about the devil is attacking me. The devil is not attacking you. The devil is not attacking you. He is using you and your life to attack God. The book of Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians, he says, I prayed for you without ceasing that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling. His who? God's calling. He said, I want your eyes to open up to the hope, what God had in mind when he planted you. The hope of his call. Nobody plants a field without intention. A weed just grows but a field is always planted with intention. Nobody just plants corn. Why are you planting? I don't know, I did, you know. Just planted some corn. No, you planted the corn because you're gonna harvest the corn. You planted the cucumbers because you're gonna grow cucumbers. You have a hope. Paul said, I want you to know what is the hope of his calling. Number two, he says, I want your eyes to be open that you might know what is the riches of his inheritance in the saints that you might understand what God has to gain from you. Because until you understand what God has to gain for you, from you, you won't understand the fight. It's not about you, it's about what he put in you that the enemy doesn't want to see reach his fullest potential in your lifetime. Oh, but the devil is alive. In the book of Genesis, 
when the Lord planted Adam in the garden and set him in Eden and surrounded him with goodness, the Bible says, then the enemy came. Now the enemy came because of what God had planted in the earth. Whenever you see the enemy come, you always know there's value. They were telling us the other day, they sent out a newsflash to be careful in our community because there were some robbers out in our community. You know, they were going around hitting houses or something. Uh, and, 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 and I thought, okay, yeah. The thing you have to understand, you don't see people robbing the homeless shelter. Wherever you see a, a thief or a robber, there's gotta be some value. Because nobody cases a homeless man. We're going to hit you tonight. We're going to get you good tonight. Because if there is no perceived value, if I don't think you're holding anything, why would I stick up a broke person? The very fact that I'm trying to rob you ought to tell you you got value. The very fact that the enemy comes in the garden to deceive Eve is because she has value. The very fact that the enemy attacked you like he attacked you is a sign you have value. In fact, the greater the attack, now all you people who think an attack is that you had to park on the other parking lot. Y'all sit down. <laughs> but the people who have had unusual attack, been through adversity that it boggles your mind and you sit back and say, how in the world could I have been attacked like that? People who have been attacked in your youth in your childhood, all of your life you had to fight. The Lord sent me to tell you that you are caught up in a war between two worlds. And the sons of God gathered around the throne that day, and among them came Satan, and God said unto him, this is Job chapter 1, where have you been? Satan responded, I've been going to and fro and up and down throughout the earth. What have you been doing? Seeking whom I may devour. God says to him, have you considered my servant Job, who is a faithful and upright man? He says, yes, I considered Job, but you have a hedge around him. And if you move that hedge around him, I will make him curse you to your face. God said, I will move a hedge around him and around his property and around his family, but not from around his soul. God said, I'm going to hedge. I'm, listen at the discussion going between two worlds about Job. And all of a sudden, Job's life is affected by the war between two worlds. Satan says, if you move the heads from around him, I'm telling you, Job only serves you when things are going right. 
You couldn't get a praise out of Job if you moved the heads from around him. God said, let me show you. All of a sudden, people started dying. Crops started burning. Chaos broke out everywhere. Job got sick in his body. And, and the Bible said all the way down, Job lost property, Job lost influence, Job lost respect, Job lost his children, Job lost his wife, Job lost his health, but he never lost his integrity. My God, I feel like running this morning. There are some people in this room who have lost a whole lot of stuff, but I don't care what you lose, hold on to your integrity. You understand what I'm saying? You are who you are. Don't let anybody have your integrity. Your values who you are, what God created you to be. You may cry, but hold on to it. You may suffer, but hold on to it. You may go without some time, but hold on to it. Because as long as you hold on to your weakness, when the storm is over, you'll rise again. I'm coming out of this. 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 I'm in a storm, but I'm coming out of this. I may get wet, but I'm coming out of this. I may have mud all over me, but I'm coming out of this. I will rise again. Tell Brother Tear and Sister Tear, I will arise out of this. Listen, people are always talking about the harvest, but sowing and reaping are both hard work. The enemy sows his tares to limit the harvest that God expects to receive from your life. Nobody flourishes in an environment that is totally perfect. If you're waiting for the perfect circumstance to do what you're gonna do, you're never gonna be able to do it. In spite of the obstacles, you have to learn how to flourish with the tear, with the critics, with the fear, with the problems. The enemy is not attacking you, but rather he is attacking God's purpose in your life. The story shows that you are caught in a war between two worlds. Stand still, therefore, and see the salvation of the Lord. Let God fight your battles. Use faith and the authority of Jesus' name to defeat the enemy. And let me tell you, when everything is said and done, it is what it is, it's gonna be what it's gonna be, and it's gonna do what it's going to do. Nothing about the tear can stop the wheat from being the wheat. I wanna challenge you today to stay in there, to stay in the Bible, to stay in the Word, to submit to God, to resist the enemy. He'll flee from you. You don't have to do any running. Let him do the running. Your greatest harvest is just ahead. There is a harvest of souls that we are reaping worldwide through the efforts of this ministry. And before I depart, I wanna thank the Global Partner Systems. Those people's grandmamas, kids, college kids, mothers, fathers, professors, everybody. I have every type of partner imaginable. They make up the GPS system. Our Global Partner System makes it possible for our broadcast to air. It makes it possible for us to meet 
inmates and transform their lives, over 10,000. It makes it possible for us to respond to droughts in Africa, to crisis in America, to inner city unrest and to build the youth transformational system that I believe will help young people to have a better edge, a better sense of faith, and hopefully a better education because of our youth empowerment centers. Together, let's fight the enemy's attempt to limit the divine potential given to each child and young person by not shouting at the darkness, but lighting a candle. I wanna be a part of the solution rather than to complain about the problem. If you wanna help me touch young people, change lives, and be there to give the gospel a physical formation, not an abstract ideology, but some physical hands and feet and water and houses and clothing and help to people who need it. It's a big job. I can't do it without you. Would you help me? Partner with us. Go to tdjpartners.org while you're thinking about it and join my global partner systems today on any level that meets your comfort. Let's connect together. We can bring the change that the next generation deserves. We are touching the world with the love of God in a form they can see. The three things everybody needs in order to survive is food, shelter, and clean water. But for some, those can be hard to come by. The Global Partner System Initiative was created to help us reach every nation through our international humanitarian outreach, MegaCare, we provide food, clothes, clean water, and medicine to areas around the world. Visit tdjpartners.org to become a part of our global partner system. God knows who he is, and he has the courage to be himself when others are not. Do you? For your gift to the ministry of any size, you will receive A Brighter Day on CD from Bishop Jake's illuminating series, Walk On. If you admit I can't see as good as I would like, God said I'll give a second touch, but I will only give it to an honest man. And when your gift is $70 or more, you will receive our three message series, Walk On on DVD, and an audio form of the series on a USB thumb drive. How could I believe so much in God and be going through what I'm going through? when you are so good at believing in God, but you are so bad at believing in you. However, when your gift is $140 or more, you'll receive the Walk On 3 Message DVD series, audio USB drive, Bishop Jake's best-selling book, Instinct, and your very own Miracle Journal and Miracles Still Happen greeting cards, even during dark times. Walk On. Brighter days are ahead. events and seminars and what's available here, you can literally take a family vacation the entire week here. We've done Super Bowls and Final Fours, but to have an event that talks to the soul, that talks to the families, that talks to the way that we live is something special. I came here for a breakthrough and I have received my breakthrough. And I think there was a, there was a supernatural encounter. I love the Lord and I love Megafest.
feel free to reach out to us on social media and share your story of how God is impacting your life. We look forward to seeing you next time on The Potter's Touch.